Skeptic. I'm your conspiracy skeptic, Carl Mamer, and with me today is my guest, uh, James Lambert. Hello, Carl. Uh, hey, James. Yeah, and you are a uh, you, you're you're a documentary filmmaker. Yes, I'm a documentary filmmaker. I'm also a professor of film and mass media. Okay, and you're in uh, Minnesota or Minneapolis? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it took me a long, long time to. Which one is the state and which one's the city? Minneapolis or Minnesota? <laughs> and then, and then a, sort of a friend who is studying Greek is like, well, polis, you know, city, Minneapolis. So <laughs> that would be a tip-off. It's a, the city. I'm like, ah, yes. Okay, thank right. you. Yeah. Like, like in St. Paul, you get you got your mini, your twin cities. You're from the, tw- it's the twin cities, don't they call it that? Yes, that's, yeah. that's what it is. And that's yeah. why we have the Minnesota Twins baseball. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, duh. I never noticed that connection. <laughs> I'm Canadian. You have to forgive me sometimes. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 A friend, uh, yeah, she's from uh, uh, Minneapolis or St. Paul, actually. But uh, yeah, ne- never. I, uh, I I think I kind of drove through the city. I, I drove home from, what drove from Seattle to Windsor, which is basically saying driving from Seattle to Detroit. And uh, I believe I passed through... Uh, Minnesota, I think. Oh, yeah, that's quite but, the drive. Yeah, it's fun. Not something <laughs> I, I did it twice, <laughs> <Not so, laughs> but uh, alone. <laughs> Pre kind of pre-mobile internet days and stuff. Yeah, so, you know, I had to have like the AAA guide to figure out where to stay. You know, next on 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 the road. It's about three. It's about three or four days of driving. So at least three nights of staying in motels and stuff. And but uh, but anyway, so I'm sorry we completely digressed. It's like <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, so and, um, right. So uh, all right. So you're a documentary filmmaker, and and, and you sort of recently made a, a film about about conspiracies, right? Yes. Um, I made a film called Conspiracy Theorists Lie, and it's gets right it's, to the point there, doesn't it? Right, <laughs> right in the title, it's just like you're not holding out. Like it's not even a question mark at the end, right? It's just a conspiracy theorist lie. Well, to back it up a little bit, okay. back when I was in graduate school in Texas, okay. it was the 40th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so I thought, well, you know, so, I should for, do sorry, something. How, 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 when was that? That was, that was, that was kind of recently. Was, right? The 40th was 2003. Oh, okay. Okay. So 2003. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, sorry. So 45th would have been 2008. Cause I, cause I know I had my, um, Nigel St. Whitehall, one of my, regular guests on we, we did sort of the, the jfk conspiracy i think it might have been in time for one of those anniversaries but sorry okay so you're you're in you're in texas yes i was in graduate school and i thought you know i should do this documentary and so i did a documentary that was about dealey plaza about the place where kennedy got killed mm-hmm. and it was in three parts you know, the first part was before kennedy came and how important that land was to the the people of dallas uh, why it was named after one of their most famous men. And um, then the second part was the, when Kennedy got shot there. And the third part was kind of the price that Dallas paid just 
for being associated with it mm-hmm. and how, you know, Dallas people were just treated as pariahs wherever they traveled after that. Really? Like for, for years after or for, for years, I had people tell me that they traveled to Europe with their family oh, and people, okay. people were like, Oh, you're from Dallas. That's where they shoot people. <laughs> you're right. Yes. Okay. It's kind of like being from Toronto with our former mayor Ford, right? It's kind of like, Oh, so <laughs> crap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it, I tried to be pretty fair there, just what, what was the story of Dealey Plaza and how this event had made it internationally famous. But, um, you know, when I, was, when I was a young kid, I was really into conspiracy theories. And by the time I made that film, I wasn't, but I was still trying to be very fair. Mm-hmm. But as time has gone on, I've gotten more and more kind of sickened by how dangerous conspiracy theories can be and how how much they can hurt society and make people paranoid and just cause a lot of problems. And so by the time the 50th anniversary came, I decided I was going to go there and do something confrontational. And so I handed out these little booklets that said conspiracy theorists lie. And they're like little come to Jesus booklets only. I was, you know, advocating my anti-conspiracy position. And then I just, you know, videoed the interactions I had with people. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, and it, 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 you, you did one recently, though, or or it was, or, so, or was this so that, was, this was all part of like kind of your trilogy, or? Well, no the the first film was called From That Moment On, okay, and that was all 2003 footage. Okay, but then the second film that I just released this year has me visiting for the 50th anniversary in oh, 2013. Okay. Right. Okay. And it also has a lot of the backstory of like how these lies first came into the culture. And so I try to point out, you know, like, here's how the so-called magic bullet lie came into the culture, and here's why it's not true. And then later you see me interacting with people, and they're repeating the exact untrue things that I've already, you know, explained earlier in the film. Right, yeah, yeah. And I I would imagine he didn't really disabuse anybody of their... (laughs) The... Uh, I don't think I turned anybody around, no. Right, um, yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's more the people in the middle that I'm going for. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, probably when I was teenager, you know, I just assumed, yeah, of course, you know, there was a conspiracy to bump off Kennedy, and then uh, PBS did a, a a documentary, and um, it was fascinating. Like they just basically kind of went through all the evidence, and you know, sort of mm-hmm. said, you know, there was no real smoking gun, you know, literally and figuratively. And, uh, you know, like there was, no, there was nothing that basically said, you know, okay, the, you know, the Warren Commission report, you know, this could not possibly be. Everything in the Warren Commission report was pretty much, you know, it was was reasonable. And, uh, you know, and as, as long as it's reasonable, I mean, you know, the, the uh, you know, kind of Occam's razor sort of dictates, you know, lone gunman is probably the, you know, is probably the best theory to go with on, until there is smoking gun evidence that says you know now you know that the, the, the Warren Commission's theory cannot possibly be because of X Y and Z right and you know right from the beginning the conspiracists were saying that you know the Warren Commission was phony and it was a whitewash and that there was all these obvious problems with it but we've got you know 52 years and nobody's really actually been to, able to debunk anything that was important to the report you know, there might be this witness that disagrees with that witness, but that's true for any case. Right, right. There's 
nothing of substance has come up in 52 years that says they got it wrong in any way. Right. Now, if you, if you, if you sort of you know, someone who believes in the JFK conspiracy, you know, they've got all their tropes, like, you know, the, like the magic bullet or, um, you know, what was it like? Like, you know, nobody could make, you know, those shots in that amount of time. Right. Accurately, and things like that. And, you know, and, and but there's video of it, even like Penn and Teller, I think, like, you know, I mean, they are not trained gunmen at all. And, you know, they can get those three shots off reasonably accurately. And, uh, and, and like, if you present the, the you know, the conspiracy believers with, 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 with those claims, like, like how do they, um, obviously they just don't go, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, what, what, right. what, what, what is their typical response? Um, in my experience, they typically switch gears and go on to something else. And they might go on to something kind of related. You know, they say, well, you couldn't fire that gun three times in six seconds. Mm -hmm. And then you show that you can actually fire it, cock it, fire it, cock it, get three rounds off in less than six seconds. And then they say, yeah, but that's just a demonstration if you were actually there trying to shoot the president and with his particular rifle that was so inaccurate and then you know how do you prove that the actual the that the rifle wasn't inaccurate you know you they're convinced that it was and there's just no way to demonstrate otherwise to them right yeah i mean what the, uh, i sort of thought was funny was where the um they're like well they found the gun and you know when they looked at the sites, like the sites were like completely off. So there's no way you could have been accurate. And then people like who actually know things about guns and sites are like, yeah, no, I mean, if you just, if you threw any gun down on the floor, these sites <laughs> are going to be immediately, you know, like you don't even have to treat apparently, a, you know, a gun with sites, particularly roughly for the sites to be, you know, to quickly go out, you know, out of accuracy. And, right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, there's always the, uh, you know, these things always seem compelling, like to the to the non-expert, you know, which is probably why a lot of conspiracy theories kind of, you know, get a lot of traction, like like the whole loose change thing. You know, when that first came out, you know, you, you could watch loose change about, you know, the 9-11 and, and just right. go, that, yeah, how could that possibly be, you know, and and. And 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 but there's no there's no they're not handing that film to then, you know, the people who say that's how it could possibly be and, and, and get them to critique it. And then, you know, and then they present the critiques, you know, they, they don't ever really do that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like going to a trial and just listening to one side of the evidence. You know, we're just going to listen to the defense's case. And every time the prosecutor speaks, we're going to leave the room and then pretend like we know the case. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in my experience, when sort of sort of debating, you know, people, you know, for other side, especially on, online, and uh, it's a lot similar to sort of online dating. You know, you you it's it's very easy that this person who could be you know half a world away, you, you all of the little gaps in you know personality we we fill in with certain assumptions and so if this person is a conspiracy theorist we fill it in we're like this guy must have horns and he must be a complete asshole and he probably like dips kittens in latex paint for fun <laughs> you know there's just all kind and then and then typically you'll meet these people and then they're like oh this this is just you know like i would have a beer with this guy like did you did you find that or were some of these people just you know just marginal types from from you know the get-go um i mean it runs the gamut the the problem is since i was doing something provocative mm -hmm. i was probably going to get you know 
equally provocative people back. Mm -hmm. But there were some people who, who are definitely nice people who talked to me in, you know, in, in a nice manner Mm -hmm. who just didn't agree with me. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a blog I I read, um, I call bad, bad UFOs or something like that. But UFO guy, Robert, Robert Schaefer. So UFO skeptic, Robert Schaefer. And, and he, he, you know, he goes to all the, like the, total you know woo believing ufo conventions and, mm-hmm. and he gets along with the people and they you know they know exactly who he is and what his position is and they get along with him and and uh yeah it's sort of interesting that way but but you're right i guess if you're you know you're already kind of presenting yourself as as you know i'm the conspiracy skeptic and and you know they'll people then make assumptions about you right and right well okay and um and, you know, and I and I always get things like, "Who am I? Who's funding me? Yes. Who am I working for?" Yeah, exactly. You know that I'm part of the conspiracy as well. I, I'm guessing as a documentary filmmaker, like you're not, you're not, you know, you're not rolling in cat. This, this is this is not a uh, a uh, you're not driving. You didn't drive a Rolls Royce down to Texas, <laughs> basically, right? No, and uh, you know, I, I paid for my flight to go down there. I did a little indie. Indiegogo campaign and other people contributed to hire a crew for me, mm. but um, but that was pretty much it. You know, it was a pretty low budget production. Right. Okay. Wow. And uh, and it's like is a feature length? Is it like you know, ninety it's, minutes plus or? <laughs> it's two hours and twenty five minutes. Wow. So like you know, like Lord of the Rings sort of Return yes. of the King or something like that sort of length. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Okay. And, yeah, uh, and, you know, I know a number of people have told me that it's too long, and I understand that, but I I tried to put everything in there that I wish somebody had told me mm-hmm. when I was a young man looking at this stuff, and, you know, I tried to make the argument that would have been appealing to me, and so I think that's really my target o- audience is somebody who's very interested in it, but just has never gotten the opportunity to hear the full story because they're just inundated with the conspiracy stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, when you when you say they they lie, I mean obviously there's people who probably are out and out liars. Just as like like you know people like John Edwards, you know the the psychic, like like he, you know he, <laughs> yeah. he, he probably he probably knows he's complete bullshit, right? And he's just like, <laughs> just like give me your money, and um, you know. But there of course there's let's say like psychics who are also the, these people just really think they have a power and they're just deluded like i mean you, you know what what sort of maybe percentage of people you, you encountered like you know you're just you're just you're just lying you know that's a lie <laughs> or you know, or like it's just like like you know you're just repeating something you told and it just agrees with your you know your your presuppositions and right um you know it's it's hard to know where that line is of who's who's deliberately lying and not but when I chose that title, it was for a couple of reasons. One is because the conspiracy people are always talking about the government as liars. Mm-hmm. And sure, you know, governments lie all the time, but there are competing forces in the government that, you know, it's difficult to tell a lie for very long without having somebody on the opposite side of the political aisle call you on it mm-hmm. because there are competing forces. In the conspiracy community, they just tell lies, and there's no competing forces. They're just like, yeah, that's a good one. Let's keep going with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I also chose that title because I think that the kind of underlying thinking of conspiracy theories, and you know, I'm not just talking about any 
kind of particular story about a small event. But what we think of as conspiracy theories or some psychiatrists would call it grand conspiracies, mm-hmm. the kind of things where there is some kind of puppet masters who rule the world or at least rule you know, the whole country. And they can they can control all the politicians, they can control all the media, they can control all the historians. That kind of thinking is just a lie in and of itself. Right, yeah. And anytime you start from that point, you're you're lying to yourself. Even if you really believe it, you're you're lying to yourself because it's just not the way the world works. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you do you you know my my sort of uh, it's always my pop psychology take is that um, you know it's it's it just it makes people feel better instead of sort of going you know there's just a lot of random crap out there that's going to harsh my my life and you know but but some people just find it very soothing to just sort of take all that put it into you know one malevolent organization or person out there and 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 it's just more comforting to know if you know if that person is taken out or if we finally you know defeat Mm -hmm. him then you know our lives are gonna be so much better like what what, what's kind of your your, sort of your pop psychology take um yeah I've, i've certainly seen that i think that the more people don't feel in control of things the more they kind of tend to assume that somebody is in control mm-hmm. and they don't they don't realize that there are competing forces in the world and i think that people you know they like to feel like like they've solved it yes, like they yes. they know something that that the rest of us stupid people don't <laughs> and uh you know I, I constantly hear from these people telling me how i'm not a critical thinker because i accept the official story and it's kind of their definition of critical thinking is to reject anything the government tells them that somehow that's critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of the, um, I mean, I've encountered people who are like, Oh, I'm a skeptic too. And, and what, what the, but they're, yeah, what they really just mean is, you know, I, I always doubt the official story or air quotes around official story. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, and it, it does sort of make you make people kind of feel like, yeah, they're you know, well, I I know something, right? Like like information is is valuable, and uh, I mean, even back when we were just in like small tribes, right? You know, if you had information about somebody, like like uh, that guy runs away in battle, you know, don't, <laughs> you know, and that 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 makes you that makes you important to know, like oh. Yeah, you know who's gonna run away and who's gonna protect you in battle, or you know who's maybe gonna you know defend your your you know your wife and children you know in the village when you're away and 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 right and and it's something almost you know baked into our DNA that that kind of like more information I have that you don't other people don't have that makes me more important. Right. Um, and unfortunately, people are willing to just go with information that's not actually informing them. It's, you know, <clears throat> it's just stories. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah, we, we, we just we like we need stories, right? Like we just need, you know, it's it's not random. It's oh, there's a story. There's a narrative. We're, we're comforted by even if it's a bad story. You know, I, I always <laughs> sort of muse where, where, you know, it's it's like when people lack information and, and don't really know why something's happening, whether it's at work or, you know, or, uh, you know, in your own social circles, pe- people almost reflexively 
cook up a story that puts them at the center and, and, and they are the victim in this narrative, you know, which, which is, it's like, why would you even do that? You know, like, you know why they're doing that? It's because, you know, they just want to get raises for themselves and they're not, they're not going to give me a raise. And just this weird kind of, you know, see, I'm a, I'm the, I'm the real victim here. You know, I, I guess maybe just in, especially in maybe North American society, you know, that, that, you know, being a victim gives you certain, certain status almost. Um, yeah, sometimes it does. And I, I think a lot of people like to see the world through that lens or they might not think they like to, but that's what they end up doing. And I think also kind of office politics teach you a lot about mm -hmm. the real world. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> a lot of times I, some of these people I run into, I feel like, you know, you've never actually worked in an office with people, have you? Um, you know, and that's fine if they've, you know, been out in the field doing manual labor and they're, they're not having to deal with office politics, but they just don't know that every place there's always this competition. There's always forces butting up against each other. And there's always a lot of inefficiencies, all the things that, you know, make their conspiracy stories impossible yeah. if you apply them to a much larger scale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the office environment is always a, you know, a great example. It's like, you know, even in, you know, really what we would think are big, successful companies, any, anybody that ever gets a job there goes, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing, you know. And, and big companies, small companies, it's just we're like we're as uh, was it Doctor Novella? He's the host of the conspiracy or a uh, host of the Skeptics Guide to the Universe. He goes, he goes, you know. Eventually, you get to a point in life when you're, you're old enough and you just realize there are no adults in charge. You know that, that <laughs> when we're when we're younger, we just think like there's a Santa Claus and our parents know everything and 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 there's just people with their hands firmly on the, you know, the lever and, 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 and as you get older, you just go, just, no one's really, no one's got a vision. <laughs> you know, we're all just reacting to what happens and ho hoping we do our best. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, you know, William S. Burroughs. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah um, he has a little piece about the no more Hitlers, no more Stalins. And it's his, you know, commentary on the modern world, but uh, it's it's some little thing about how there'll be no more Hitlers or no more Stalins, because in the future it'll just be this massive wave of un unintelligible kind of things going on, and the so-called leaders will just be calling in experts, telling them which button to push. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this massive amount of information stuff coming in and. You have no idea what to do, and so you're just hitting different buttons, trying them. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, it almost seems like our society has gone the other way, though. That that you know, the the politician that relies on the expert is, uh, you know, he's seen as sort of weak, and we 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 all, you know we want these politicians that you know rule through you know uh, emotions or or you know gut feelings and and and, and you know, and they they're, they're not going to change their mind as new information. It emerges and stuff. It's just, it's, it's, it seems, you know, the wrong way to go. Yeah. I, I think, you know, those, both is, those extremes go back and forth or some people, their great fear is that we don't have a strong leader mm -hmm. and some people, their great fear is that um, we have a really strong leader who's not going to listen to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you 
can't win, can you? <laughs> and so, and so get, getting back to your 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 your, your documentary, and uh, yes. So, uh, I, what, did you hear anything new when you you got down there? Like, or is it just is it the same stuff? Like, just being repeated for fifty years? It it is unfortunately pretty much the same stuff being repeated, especially like the so-called magic bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into that, but no, no, go go he, ahead. But I mean, a lot of people have seen Oliver Stone's film JFK, mm-hmm. and so they've seen it illustrated yeah. in that film, and it's appeared other places before and after that. Right. But Makes basically, a right turn in the yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's this idea that this bullet would have to come in at an impossible angle in the back to then turn upwards and exit the president's neck and then turn around in the air and do all these, you know, gymnastic feats. And so the argument is that the Warren Commission was wrong. A bullet can't do that. Therefore, this isn't true. But the problem is none of what the conspiracy people are presenting is true. Mm Mm-hmm. The Warren Commission found that there was a simple straight shot, mm-hmm. that the bullet went right through President Kennedy and straight into Governor Connolly because they were traveling downhill on a curve in a car where Connolly's seat was lower than Kennedy's. Right, right, right. So everything about it made it a straight line. Mm-hmm. And it, it all accounts for the positioning of the of the two men involved. And so it's nothing to do with how the bullet acted. It's the position of the men at the time of the shooting. Mm-hmm. And this is a really a pretty simple fact that you can I illustrate in my film with, you know, a simple graphic. But it just gets repeated over and over and over again. And I had like one guy directly tells me in the film that the bullet went this way, that way, and this way. And I said, no, it didn't. It went in a straight line. And he said, well, not according to what the Warren Commission said. <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, no, this, you're not quoting the Warren Commission. You are quoting the conspiracy people. Right. Yeah. But he's convinced that this is in the Warren Commission. And these phony diagrams, which Oliver Stone uses in his film, they originally appeared in a film called High Treason. Okay. I mean, excuse me, they appeared in a book called High Treason from a man named Robert Groden, and Groden was one of Stone's so-called experts who worked on the film. And if you look in the book High Treason, he has these labeled as if they're from the Warren Commission. He's like, the Warren Commission's magic bullet on the graphic, as if you think it came Mm -hmm. right out out of the Warren report. But it's just something that was made up and put into his book. And if you Google it, you'll, you'll find it all over the place, these phony graphics labeled as if they came out of the Warren Commission. Right, right. Wow. And it's just amazing to me that, you know, how many people will just continue to believe that and continue to repeat it and just most of them don't want to hear otherwise. Sometimes the the guy in the film finally says, okay, well, I'll go look that up. (laughs) (laughs) Do do they? I don't, I, I doubt it. Okay, yeah. What is the, the um? I mean, I, I always, you know, anybody and nobody really asks, but if we're, we're anyone to ask, like, hey, how can I get into the conspiracy skeptic business, and what rewards are there? Yeah, uh, yeah. My my answer is always like, well, there's no rewards, but it's um, you know, conspiracy people tend to 
ask really kind of obtuse questions and 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 in that you go you know you go kind of go really could like you know all of these scientists and engineers and, and ballistics experts could they all got that so wrong and this you know this guy like you know just shirt tucked into his underwear seems to have <laughs> seen through it all and 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 and, and so you, you're, you're compelled to, like, you know, I say, research, how do we know what we know? And then you, you learn something. And then, you you know, you move on to the next thing. And then, you again, you do that and you learn something. And, and then I, I always call, I call it the loop back, you know. So at, at, at some point, whoever you're talking to or arguing with, you know, they, they loop back to you know, the, the, the same claim they made at the start as if, you know, you, you didn't sort of already challenged that you know that that, that that was not challenged and they they just then you know like you said you, they they move on to the next thing and the next thing and they never they never kind of just stop with that one thing and go this is my best evidence and you go right. well the problem with that is this this and this what do you got to say then they'll just you know they'll just jump to their next point right so eventually when they loop when they do the loop back then you go all right i think i've learned everything i can learn here <laughs> you know next <laughs> yeah um, do you have the arcade game Whack a Mole? Uh, not, not the arcade. I mean, I I, I know Whack a Mole and and yeah, uh, yeah. Where and, it, it's it's like a flat table and these little mole characters pop out, right? Yeah. And you have to hit them with a hammer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I've compare a lot of these conversations to is that it's playing Whack a Mole because you knock down one lie and they just go on to the next and the next and the next and before you know it they're back to the same lie they started with and they just keep throwing them up and at some point you have to say okay look i've knocked down all these moles <laughs> i've proved that you know there's nothing else to the game so i need to move on yeah, yes exactly yeah <laughs> for your own for your own your own sanity it's i mean it, it's fun it, it it's fun to learn things but but it, yeah at some point you you do have to have know when to disengage and, and or it will drive you you know, yeah, you know, crazy because you're, 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 that's all you're, you're just whacking that mole, and there, there, there's no end to that game, right? No, there isn't. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you know, and some attack that I sometimes take with people, which usually ends up offending them, but I compare them with Holocaust deniers. You know, they're like, well, you want to believe the official story, and I said, well, do you believe the official story on the Holocaust? Mm -hmm. And you know, the vast majority of the people will say, well, yeah, of course I do. That's that's real. That's encouraging, like, at least. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, how do you know that's real? And like one one woman down in Dealey Plaza said, well, because of the films. And I was, you know, I was in the middle of this debate and I was feeling cynical. And I said, well, you can't fake those films. Hmm. You know, and, and, and she's like, oh, no, you couldn't fake those films in the 40s. You know, and I'm like, oh, but in the 60s, then they could fake all the evidence, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I, I'm just glad you didn't make, create a lot more Holocaust denials. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, man. But uh, what I thought about afterwards, what I really should have said, is that, you know, as horrific as those films are, mm -hmm. we're, we're just seeing the, the tail end of the Holocaust there. Mm -hmm. We're just seeing, you know, the bodies the Germans couldn't dispose of by the time we liberated the camps. And so you've got, you know, at best... 10,000, 20,000 bodies on film. Mm -hmm. You're you're not accounting for the 6 million Jews killed and the millions of other people killed. Right. You know, at some point if you really if you're going to accept the Holocaust, 
it's not because you've seen a film or something. You're accepting that the historians got it right. You're accepting that the government found documents that prove this, that historians have looked at it and proved it. You know, you're accepting a certain process that proves it. And if you're going to accept that with the Holocaust, then you need to accept it with the moon landing. You need to accept it with Kennedy and you need to accept it with a lot of things because it's the same process that has happened. Yeah. Well, it's always like, it's the, 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 it's like that, that one particular branch of science that sort of disagrees with, you know, my, you know, my view that that's the one corrupt branch of science, you know? So it's like no problem with like the engineers who built the bridges or, you know, you maintain the planes and, and, you know, and all the science that went into the computer they're using and, you know, they were all honest, you know, but, but this one thing, like, you know, the, the, the carbon daters or something, you know, that they, they are so hopelessly corrupt or, you know, the, you know, the vaccine doctors or they are completely corrupt and from, every level and it's like okay right so you know like uh, yeah it's it's, they just kind of cherry pick and and that that you know who's they are corrupt but everybody else is okay because you know i've got a working computer in front of me but it's it's like yeah it's like no no it's you it's the whole process of you know writing history or the whole process of of science you know that that, it, it doesn't change from you know discipline to discipline and right yeah, there's there's a lot of things that are missed, as, as I found when I talk to conspiracy minded people. And there are a lot of things that are missed just in kind of general societal conversation. But I think that most people most of the time are pretty good at realizing where they're not an expert. You know, I, I don't know anything about cars or sports. And mm-hmm. so when other people are talking about that, I tend to shut up. Mm-hmm. And the problem with a lot of political things Um, like a lot of religious things, is that people feel because they have a feeling on it, you know, because they're passionate issues, that somehow they know something. And they just kind of throw reason out the window and, you know, they don't, they behave in ways that they wouldn't normally behave. Most things they would be like, oh, I'm not an expert in that. I'm not going to speak. Yeah. Well, I was like, yeah, the, the car mechanic is always a great example like to use. I'm like, you know, if, you know, if, 10 car mechanics told me, you know, like, look, ni- nitrogen in, you know, in your tires, it's not, it's not going to do anything. You're, you're just wasting money. I'll, I'll, I'll go. Oh, thank you. You know, like, thank you for telling me that you've saved me, you know, $800 filling my tires with nitrogen. And, <laughs> you know, but if, you know, 10 doctors sort of, you know, sort of tell you, you know, you know what? This is a vaccine schedule. You should vaccine, vaccinate your kids. You know, it suddenly people are like, the, the, all 10 doctors have been gotten to by, you know, by Monsanto or something like that. And it, right. It's it, it just this weird sudden, like, like, and they can't kind of see the, the inconsistency there. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, unfortunately people are not as rational as we would like them to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not saying that I am, you know, perfectly 100% rational, but I do think that, like I said, most of us, have a pretty good sense of, okay, I'm not an expert here and, uh, you know, or I need to listen to this before I make any snap judgments. And, and there are some people who I'm not sure what it is, but they, they have a feeling. And so that kind of trumps everything. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the most frustrating things I always have with, uh, 
conspiracy people is um, I, I, I call it the hand wave, you know, hand waving to a YouTube video. It's like it's like, well, you know, why do you, why do you think this? And they're like, you know, well, you know, just watch this. 40 minute youtube video and you're like well you know i mean i i, I could but here, here's the deal you know I, I don't i don't know what to pay attention to in this video right like like i'd be happy to watch it but could you just summarize you know that like the three most important points in that video and then i will you know because i can watch it and go i found nothing compelling about that video but you found something compelling so what are the three most compelling things you found in that video and i've literally you know, dozens of people have done that. I've literally never gotten one to ever say, oh, okay, well, here are the four most compelling points in that video. So just go watch it, you know, and, and tell me what you think. Right. It, it, it's as if, you, you know, these people, you're just sort of, you're just asking them to like, just stop a second and just think a moment. What, what do you actually find compelling about this video? Other than, you know, there's some guy there and he's, talking forcefully about something you know like like no one ever seems to be able to answer that question it, it's it's entirely bizarre i mean have, have you found something similar with this or um yeah i i find very similar things um people point me to you know various things and or people tell me you know what they've they've heard and i've I try to explain how it's not true or like, you know, they give me a 40 minute video to watch and I watch the first three minutes and I tell them five things that are wrong in the first three minutes. Yeah. And, but they're just convinced that, well, you're not giving it, you know, a fair chance. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really important to, you see the whole thing, but yeah, I don't normally get a, they aren't the kind of people who lay out a well-reasoned argument. No. Yeah. And it's also the, uh, you know, like I, I, I don't doubt and answer the question yourself, but you know, that it, you know, what is, you know, what's, what would be the one compelling piece of evidence that would make you go, you know what? Yeah. Kennedy was assassinated by a conspiracy or Oswald was a patsy, you know, you could, and, and when you do ask the same question of many conspiracy theorists, like, you know, what, what? What, what what evidence would it take you to abandon the, your your you know your 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 belief? They, I, either they they can't answer or their their goalpost is is so disingenuous. It's like well, build me a time machine and send me back. You know, it's like <laughs> they they can't they can't even lay out a reasonable goalpost. And uh, but let me throw that at you. What like what would what would be you know your goalpost for going? Nope. Yep. Oswald was a patsy. Uh, well, I guess, you know, I, I guess I'll be a little bit unreasonable with you and <laughs> say that I don't, I don't think anything after 52 years sure. can come forward that would change my mind. Um, at the time, you know, if something had come forward that, that showed that there was, you know, connections to, to Ruby and, you know, killing Oswald and other things that it, if they had come out at the time, mm -hmm. then I would, I, I could see, you know, it's not inconceivable that people conspire to murder somebody. What is inconceivable is that you can get the chief justice of the Supreme Court and some of the highest ranking people from both political parties, from all three branches of the government, from state and local officials and private industry to all collude together to tell a lie that really doesn't benefit them and is only going to ruin their careers if it comes out. 
Um, you know, that, that gets them to the point where th- there's nothing that I, that you could show me that is going to convince me that that worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, obviously there are, you know, there are real conspiracies to kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham Lincoln was killed by a conspiracy, but we found all the people involved. It's, right, right. it's not that <laughs> once it happens, it's pretty hard to cover these things up. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you listen to uh, this American life uh, podcast? Oh yeah. 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 From a couple of weeks ago, they had the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin and, um, it was fascinating because it was like, I mean, it's something that happened recently and you know, you know, the, the, killer has confessed and you know and, and you know, they found the the weapons and the bullets he was making and and and, and it, it, you know, there's video it, it could not be you know smoking gun that that, that this guy <laughs> killed him but there are still people that nah, no way man it was you know it was either the right wing put a hit on him or the left wing was just trying to get sympathy for the oslo accords and and it's just <laughs> wow you know and and, and yeah it, 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 you you know, you you can have the you know the most dead to right solid evidence, and, and there's still people that will just hand wave it away and go, nope, it was a conspiracy. Right. Yeah, it it is unfortunate, but I I do find that there are a lot of people I just talk to in regular everyday life. You know, they find out that I made this film, and then they they ask me like, okay, well I always heard this, mm-hmm. and they'll 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 tell me some lie that they've heard, and I'll tell them. You know, well, this is why that isn't true, and this is where that comes from. And they're like, "Oh, that's really interesting." You know, um, so I think most people are that kind of casual. You know, they thought there was something there because they've just been inundated with these lies, and one or two of them have stuck. Um, but usually, you can get through to the average person and tell them, you know, why that just isn't so. Right. Yeah. Well, that's 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 hopeful, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, the, the larger issue, did you get a chance to watch any of my stuff? Well, you know, yeah, I mean the, um, you know, your current one's behind a paywall, but, um, I, I, I loved your, uh, your one, you did one about, um, you know, kind of how did like, you know, Hitler be, I mean, it, it seems, it seems patently obvious, you know, why Hitler is euphemism for, you know, the, the worst kind of human being out there. But, but it was an interesting documentary you did about kind of the, sort of the genesis of that and, and how that sort of took root in our culture. Yeah, that that was actually my um, master's thesis when I got my master's. Um, and it's called You Don't Know Hitler. And yeah, that one's yeah. for, for free on YouTube. And it, you know, I, I titled it that because people just throw out this, you know, oh, you're like Hitler. You're yeah. like a Nazis, yeah. you know, and they just, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, it's a totally unfair comparison. And, <laughs> but, but that one, that one time, but there is, oh boy, there is a, yeah, there is a one time out of a hundred where it is reasonable to compare some people to Hitler yeah, and, and I work and that's for why. him. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um, and so I wanted to kind of lay out some things as to, you know, I, I think people, you know, cause Hitler has become such a obvious figure of evil mm-hmm. that a lot of people have forgotten why he was evil. It's just like. You know, it's just a symbol of evil and they forget the details. And so I wanted to kind of I use the Nazis own propaganda films to show what was happening in Nazi Germany and then tell you what what was really going on, you know, how they were trying to sell themselves and and, you know, what was really going on. And I've been interested in all this stuff for a long time for a number of reasons, but it comes back with the conspiracy stuff 
because the Nazis, the more and more I've studied them, the more and more I realized they were the greatest or the most infamous conspiracy theorists in world history. You know, what they believed is that the Jews run the world or the Jews are trying to run the world and they had to be stopped. Mm -hmm. You know, they saw both communism and capitalism as two false ideas, both being created and put in front of us by the Jews and that only, you know, national socialism, Nazism was going to save us from these two great evils. And what they what they did was really the culmination of more than a thousand years of European history. You know, the Jews were always the scapegoats, always the evil force. And unfortunately, that kind of mentality just it's still around with us, even though most people won't won't identify the Jews as the ones behind the conspiracy. They still have that thinking. They still think in terms of this evil force that's out there, and they're just looking for somebody to pin it on. Yeah, it, then it becomes obviously you know very easy to go, you know, it's the Jews. Oh yeah, you know yeah the um, right like the whole um, protocol of the elders of Zion, right? Like you know I mean that is a, a template for you know erase Jews right in space lizards, mm-hmm. you know, erase space lizards right in you know bangers <laughs> or you know yeah yeah it's just it's it, it's the same basic framework that just just gets reused again and again and and i've seen you know people who the more they get into this the more they wanting to find you know what's the deeper level you know they're like okay it's the cia and then like oh no the cia is just a front for you know the rockefellers mm-hmm. and then well no the, the rockefellers are just a front for the rothschilds yeah. well the rothschilds are just you know an extension of the jews one way or another, if you keep going down this path, the oldest thing you're going to find is, you know, the protocols of the elders of Zion and other older things, you know, all these roads, you know, if you want to keep pursuing them and, and say, you know, what's the deeper, deeper level, it's very easy for people to get to this false deep level, the Jews, just because those lies have been around for so long. And a great example of this is there was a man named Ravello Oliver, and he was a professor of like classical literature or something, but he wrote in a magazine called American Opinion in 1964, and that was the John Birch Society magazine, Mm. real right-wing group. He wrote one of the very first conspiracy articles suggesting why Kennedy was really killed. And this is just months after it happened. And he thought that Kennedy was a communist agent and he was trying to, you know, turn America over to the communists, over to the Soviets. And he was failing in his mission. So his masters back in Moscow decided to get rid of him. And then they were going to try to they were going to try to pin the crime on the radical right, on the John Birch Society and his buddies. And then they were going to try to take over the country. You know, well, we're all in mourning about the president being shot, the president that we're not even supposed to mourn because he's really a communist agent. And so that was his theory. And he also says in that article how, of course, there's somebody really behind the communists. We don't know who that is. Um, he didn't even believe that Stalin, you know, one of the worst madmen in history who just slaughtered people, he didn't believe that Stalin was really in charge of the Soviet Union. Somebody was behind him. Um, so his ideas were crazy. 
And in, in time, he was even too crazy for the John Birch Society. <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying so, a lot. Yeah. yeah. So he, he parted ways with them. And in the 70s, he ended up join, joining the Institute for Historical Review. And if you're not familiar with that, it's the world's leading Holocaust denial yeah, organization. Yeah. And and uh, he died in the by the early 90s. And he had a book published posthumously, which basically points the finger at the Jews as being responsible for, you know, everything bad in Western civilization for yeah. hundreds of years. And so I think he's a good example of a really well-educated man who got deep into this conspiracy stuff and just wanted to keep going deeper. And the only place for him to go deeper was to, you know, end up blaming it on the Jews. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually you got to blame it on somebody. Right. Well, <laughs> I remember the, um, uh, the, when the Russians shot down the, uh, that Korean airliner, uh, over Kamchatka Peninsula back in the eighties. Uh, one, one of the passengers was, a, you know, a fairly high-ranking member of the John Birch Society. So, you know, <laughs> guess guess why they think that the plane was shot down, right? They're they <laughs> trying to take out that guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just of those weird, you know, those weird coincidences, right? I mean, you know, the and the, which, you know, oftentimes, you know, we discuss on this, this podcast that, you know, it's, it's just those weird anomalies like that, that people then hang the whole conspiracy on, you know? Right. There's a guy from the John Birch Society on that plane, and the Russians shot it down. And so, you know, they were they were gunning for him. Right. Yeah. It, you know, people don't want to face the fact that history, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. A lot of there's a lot of seemingly synchronous events out there and a lot of, you know, strange things when you look at them in isolation. But out of millions and millions of interactions, there's bound to be some things that seem strange yeah i mean i always want to make the point that it's like you know when we look at the history of the history of world war ii we 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 kind of almost think like you know roosevelt and 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 churchill you know they they had a grand design you know that of course we're going to do this and then we're going to invade sicily and then we're going to invade normandy and the war is going to go this way and 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 we like to sort of think of these these leaders that they they saw much further and they they saw the whole plan and it was and it was and 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 history fell like necessary dominoes because they were following their plan and we just don't really want to go. Roosevelt and Churchill were probably really scared and they didn't <laughs> know what to do really and were just doing their best and feeling their way and hopefully listening to some good advice and and they you know they probably made some plans and changed their plans and you know but 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 for some reason we we need to think of our past leaders as as you know men of vision and and and, and seeing further and being more you know they, they were much more moral and stuff and 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 uh -huh. yeah it, it, just coming back to the whole thing about you know just the, we, we don't like the randomness and we just we just need that that a, a, a certain narrative you know yeah, I mean, if you look at the way we tell stories, the whole narrative arc that almost every movie, every play, you know, fits into, it it's very neat the yeah. way it fits, yeah. and and it's you know great. I mean, I love movies, but you can't confuse that with real life. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and that you know, I mean, even like you know, on Skeptics Guide to the Universe, they always sort of complain about you know the. Um, 
you know, just the, the movie version of scientists. It's always like, <laughs> especially like the like the lone the lone sort of you know renegade scientist who you know cures the disease or comes up with a solution and 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 the general public kind of almost needs that narrative. You know, the brave cancer doctor who is not you know who is fighting right. against big cancer and he has the cure and <laughs> all those sorts of things and it's just yeah yeah it, it, sometimes movies just you know they they really put us back a step you know, especially in really important things let's say like you know like like politics or you know just or or you know how to fight a war or how to fight terrorists or something it's like you know i don't know the uh one of the things they always sort of talk about in conspiracies like oh false flag you know and yes uh, lately now that sort of seems to be something happens there's always somebody like like literally within five seconds of anything false flag right you know yeah i think even my my last podcast with uh one of the prosecutors on on the colorado you know theater murders you know you know it was like you know that's all a false flag to take our guns take our guns and uh and um but you know when when i I have a really hard time thinking, you know, in history of actual false flags. I mean, maybe the Gulf of Tonkin or I mean, obviously, sometimes there are things that happen by, you know, you know, fortuitous that then they blow up into something bigger. But right. I mean, I mean, what to you, have you ever encountered something in history that is, you know, OK, that is clearly a false flag that, you know, the government did this to so they can then do that. Um, yeah, I, the one great example that I can give of a real false flag is what the Nazis did when they invaded Poland. Right. Yeah. They they went to a checkpoint and they um, put some dead people, I believe, they killed some people and mm -hmm. put them in uh, German uniforms and made it seem like the Poles had fired on them, and then they used that as as an excuse to cross the border. Yes, yes. And it was it was it was so badly done and it was so obvious, even with them <laughs> completely in control of the situation, yeah. it was so obvious that that it just that's not what happened, um, that nobody believed it. Yes. And, <laughs> I was going to say that that was actually the one thing I was kind of thinking about is I remember that from you know, from history. Then. But but yeah, it was it was very important. Like like, yeah, no, no one believed it. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, you brought up the Gulf of Tonkin, and I do hear people say that all the time. And that's another thing I get from a lot of conspiracy theorists is they'll just throw out things like the Gulf of Tonkin as if it proves something. And they won't really actually elaborate on what they think it proves. They just, you know, well, you know, the government lies all the time. The Gulf of Tonkin, what, you know, what do you think that was? And they'll just go on to something else. Um, but, you know, what actually happened at the Gulf of Tonkin and I, I base this on a. There's a man named Admiral Stockdale. Yeah, yeah. He he's uh he's most famous, you know, in more recent times because he ran as Ross Perot's running mate when Ross Perot was the big third party candidate in the early 90s. Yeah, but <laughs> it was the vice vice presidential yeah. debate where he was just like chaos. I know, like like he, he just was like really. I where am I again? Like <laughs> yeah, uh, you know he. He got a little bit unfair treatment because he he had a hearing aid and he didn't hear everything that was said. And <laughs> but but the fact is he you was can't make fun of old people. Who can you make fun of? Yeah, but the fact is he was a military man who just should never have been in a political debate. 
<laughs> I, I, you know, but he was he was a very honest guy, sometimes too honest for his own good. I remember in the debate, they were asking question about abortion and they went to they went to Al Gore and Al Gore gave a very careful, calculated answer. I'm pro-choice, but I understand why people are pro-life. And then they went to Dan Quayle and he gave a very calculated answer about, you know, I'm pro-life, but I'm not trying to, you know, infringe on people's rights and everything. And they go they go over to Admiral Stockdale and he says, I think a woman's body is her own business. <laughs> and then just dead silence. Yeah. And, then he's like, <laughs> and then he just looks at the moderator and goes, did you want me to say something else? <laughs> so he was a funny guy. And he was also one of the um, longest held POWs and the highest ranking POW held in Vietnam. And what he went through is just, you know, incredible because he was the highest ranking. They really, you know, picked on him. But he helped really keep the morale of the other men together over there. And he was the only pilot in the sky the night of the Gulf of Tonkin. And what happened was the people on the ship felt that they were under attack. They saw these things on the radar, these ghosts, and that wasn't uncommon. The radar isn't foolproof, especially with bad weather. And so they sent him up in a plane to fly around and look for the ghosts. And everywhere he went, he could not find any evidence of any um, anybody attacking them. And he went back and he filed his report. And back in Washington, they heard what they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. They, they heard that we were attacked by the North Vietnamese, which had actually happened previously to that. Mm-hmm. And they used that as an excuse to get us deeper into the Vietnam War. Yeah. Now, there are all kinds of problems with what they did. And people can rightly criticize the Johnson administration. But there's absolutely no evidence that they manufactured that or that it was a false flag or anything. In fact, there's plenty of evidence to the opposite. And if you believe Admiral Stockdale, who I think is an extremely credible witness, you know, it is, it is just a bad situation that was made much worse by politicians who said, you know, this is our excuse. Let's go. Right. Yeah. But even the, um, I remember like the Reichstag burning, I mean, which was another one of those sort of those false flag of the, you know, the, the Nazis burned down the Reichstag to, you know, pin it on the Jews that, that, that actually the, that, uh, I, 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 I might be getting this wrong either, you know, there's good evidence that the Reichstag, it was actually just an accident or else, uh, like the person they, they blame for burning it down actually, actually did burn it down. Like, 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 you know, he wasn't actually a Patsy. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you encounter? Yeah. Yeah, well, I've, I, you know, I haven't, I mean, I've looked at that story and I've read a number of different things on it. I, I read a part of a biography from a stormtrooper from one of Hitler's followers who claimed that they had some responsibility for that. But I've also heard other people who said, no, the, the communist that they actually put on trial for burning down the Reichstag is the guy who really did it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that history is pretty divided on mm. on what happened there. But once again, the bigger story is what's important because whether the Nazis orchestrated that or got that guy to do it or whatever, or they just took advantage of the situation, what ended up happening is that they rounded up 
you know, just hundreds and hundreds of communists in the area and said, you know, you were all involved in this plot, which clearly they were not. And they used that as an excuse to um, temporarily suspend the German constitution, which remained temporarily suspended until, you know, what was it, 13 years later? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even in Canada, we had um, um, a couple Canadian soldiers were kind of killed by... Um, I almost don't even want to use the word Muslim. These were like convert, like recent converts, kind of self-radicalized mm -hmm. guys uh, out of French Canada, which will explain a lot if you know Canadian <laughs> history. That you know that they, you know that you know that that sort of our our rebel province and 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 uh, and you know French-speaking people there always feel kind of like you know hard done by and and so anyways, but. You know, the, the conservative government kind of rushed in, you know, the Canadian version, the Patriot Act. And, of course, people go, ah, so they, you know, the government purposely executed to, you know, just, just these poor young soldier guys are just, you know, trying to make an extra hundred bucks a, a week or something, you know. And, 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 you know, oh, they, you know, they executed them so they could get this legislation through, ignoring the fact that, they've got a majority government they could have got the legislation through regardless <laughs> they didn't need this but but um you know but it, it, it's like it's like aha isn't that strange you know they this happens and then they just boom come up with this legislation and it's like well you know they probably had that on the shelf for a while right you know and 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 you know it, it, it is unfortunate they took advantage of something like that to have this legend now it's go time, you know. So, right. you know, because governments always have things on the shelf. They're ready to pull off the shelf in the event of X, you know. And 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 that does not that doesn't mean then they caused X. Right. Yeah, and you know, there are different politicians who have different things that they're you know upset about. One's upset about guns. One's upset about terrorists. One's upset about, you know, cancer, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. And when a good story comes up in the news that fits that agenda, they see an opportunity. They're going to try to pass their legislation. Yeah. And we don't even sort of realize it, but this whole, like this whole organizations out there that have like ready-made legislation, just, you know, like, you know, like the pork, I always use the pork producers of America. Like the <laughs> pork producers of America probably have some bill written and you know ready to put in the hands of some senator and say this is a great law why don't you just pass it and then they just you know they erase a few words rewrite a little and boom and then they pass it you know and and, and people don't sort of realize that this is just that's just part of politics you know that that different organ private organizations have the legislation written up already and they you know just they're just trying to convince some politicians to it'd be good if you pass this mm-hmm you know, the the other thing that I think of and I've said to other people before, um, that, yeah, the, a lot of people do a lot of bad things. They might blackmail somebody. They might um, try to strong arm somebody. They might threaten to fire somebody. You know, who knows what they might do. But the kind of stuff that conspiracy people take for granted, you know, the, the murders, mm -hmm. the cat, you know, just the casual disregard for life. It just doesn't fit with, well, say, for example, you know, you take these bad people, the Hitlers, the Stalins, mm -hmm. they had, you know, a good decade worth of time in which they gathered loyal followers who began by, you know, beating other people up and then 
you know, graduated into murder over time. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, Hitler didn't lie about what he really wanted to do. He made it pretty clear. I don't like the Jews. I'm going to get rid of them. Now, you could have taken that, you know, that he was just going to kick them out of the country or you could take that he's going to kill them. But it's pretty clear to the people who are following him, you know, hardcore why they were following mm-hmm. him. But you take somebody like, you know, George W. Bush, who's blamed for 9-11 and Bush makes his whole career, you know, whether you like him or not, whether you believe him or not, he makes his whole career of talking about how much he loves this country and wants to see this country do well in the world and loves the people of this country. And his most loyal, fervent followers, the kind of people who work, you know, day and night for him, follow him because of that. Mm -hmm. You know, you can say that they're dupes and that, you know, they shouldn't have followed him. But the fact is they were duped into his worldview, which is a worldview that loves America. And to think that one day, he just turns around and says to somebody, you know what, let's go kill a couple of thousand Americans so that we can start a war in the Middle East. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have the kind of people that a Hitler or a Stalin has who have come up over years and, you know, graduated into murder. He just he doesn't have those kind of people at his disposal. But the conspiracy theorists assume that he does, that that's just a part of the way the world is. And it's just not the way the world is. It takes... You know, it takes a lot to get people to kill for you and to get people to believe in that kind of fanaticism to do something like that. Well, I mean, I, I, I see, like, you, I mean, you don't even have to, you don't have to kill 2,000 people to invade another country. Because I remember, uh, <laughs> right. the, like, the original George Bush, I think, I mean, the pretext he used to go, was it, I think, going to Panama was that some Panamanian soldiers, like, slapped an American soldier's wife or something like that and and then like that was it now it's go time and they made a big deal of that and then invaded Panama you know and uh, and and that that's all they needed it was like yeah this guy these soldiers roughed up a guy's wife we're going in there and you know time to take out this worse than Hitler guy you know <laughs> what, what how, how do you feel about this like I mean it, it's always like um, you know it seemed for a while that you know you know, the ex, you know, the latest pariah, worse than Hitler. They always have to be worse than Hitler. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I, I I say on my website that, you know, I, I've i come to dislike this whole kind of Bush is Hitler, Obama is Hitler. You know, everybody is Hitler. It's just it's just become a part of the vocabulary mm-hmm. and it just it's almost become meaningless. But I, I do think that that kind of tends to then the more we distort our history and compare everybody to Hitler, the more we don't really have any history to, to learn from. We, we dilute what was Hitler, right? Right. You know, and it, it doesn't matter how much you agree or disagree with, you know, George W. Bush or President Obama. The, you know, these, these guys are not maniacs. They're not evil, despotic people that are out to destroy the world or destroy the country. And it's just, it just amazes me that people can actually convince themselves of that. So, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I was no fan of our, our Prime Minister Harper. I mean, I, I, I hated him so much. I was almost, I was almost thinking about departing with real actual money and, and donating it to the Liberal Party. Like, that, you, know, to being, you know, you have to understand, being a Canadian, to give up, to throw money at a political party means you really must hate the other politicians. But, but I honestly, I, 
I do not think Harper would kill another, you know, a, 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 a Canadian soldier to advance a political agenda, any kind of political agenda, you know. Yeah, yeah, but they're just that that people think that it, it's 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 sad in a way, right? That that people just think that you know, you know, Obama and Bush and Harper, you know, that they that they're that they're 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 willing to kill school children to advance X. Right. You know, it's just what kind of world are they living in? You know. Well, it's you know, it's so easy in the movies and a TV show that people do that all the time. They just you know give orders for people to be killed. And I think that a lot of people, you know, they come to think of that as as real life. Right. All right. All right. I think we should probably probably wrap it up. But um, okay. Uh, all right. So for, so first of all, so your 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 latest documentary again is my latest documentary is conspiracy theorists lie, what? and you can find out all about it by going to nomagicbullets.org. org. Okay. And uh, and and and. How can they see it if if they want? There's there's. So I'm, I have it on No Magic Bullets where you can pay to stream it or to download it. You can also go to Amazon and stream it or download it from there. Okay. And and it's on IndieFlix, which is like a Netflix for independent film. Okay. And that's the that's the alternative where you can actually get it for free because you can sign up for a free account watch the movie and then cancel your free account okay. when, when you're done with it. So, so if you really want to just see it for free, then right. do you, get, that. you get any, you get any jingle for that or, uh, uh, I'm not sure how it works. If I promote people doing the free membership for a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, pod, I mean, some people make money at podcasting, I believe, but you know, I, I, I don't think there's huge amounts of money in podcasting and, and uh, I, I, I don't think I would ever want to try and make podcasting a, a paying career. Like it just, I mean, the reward is obviously talking to people like you or, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just nice to talk to people. And, and if it, yeah. uh, you know, I got to pay a couple hundred dollars a month for web hosting, I'm happy to part with that, right? And and uh, I to anybody out there who's like, I want to be a documentary filmmaker. What's your what's your best piece of advice? <laughs> uh, don't expect to make any money off of it. Okay, right. It's years years ago. I went and saw Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. When I was in high school, he was giving a talk, and you know, I thought he was the greatest author ever. And so I went and saw him speak, and he said. I know a lot of you people came here because you're aspiring writers and I want you to know you're not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I, I know a lot of you are probably good, but that doesn't matter. There's a lot of good writers out there who are just not going to be discovered. You're not going to make money at it. Don't plan on that for your life. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I saw Kurt Vonnegut give a talk one time too this was, would have been in the 80s sorry can i ask how old i never even asked you the korean questions so yeah <laughs> can i ask how old you are i'm 43 yeah okay well so i'm, I'm 49 so we we might have even seen kurt vonnegut on the same tour but um but, <laughs> yeah maybe yeah yeah and um yeah i remember his interesting piece of advice was about about writers very few writers come out of English departments. You know, they come out of real life. Like they, you know, 
so when he was like kind of like a writing professor and there was some sort of writing competition he would he would he would hang the poster in like the the power plant and the janitorial services and you know the uh, you know the, the biology department and because that's where, that's where writers come from like very few writers just sort of like I got a I got a BA in English you know BA in creative writing and you know I wrote this book you know 50 shades of gray like that just never <laughs> happens right that's a bad example you know like, but um yeah yeah so uh yeah how how did you get drawn to being a documentary maker you know i really love films and i i started watching films really seriously after i saw citizen kane mm -hmm. i know it seems you know kind of like the the hokey answer because it is just the obvious film but I really, I really started realizing that people actually did stuff to make a film. Mm -hmm. Before I saw Citizen Kane, I think I was, I was envisioning films as just being like, like a play. You know, the 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 cameraman, the director, all those kind of people that make a film, a film. That I I didn't even think about them. I just thought it was actors in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. And so after I saw Citizen Kane, I really became interested in. It and, um, I just, you know, I'd watch so many films and would know a good deal on the subject, but it took me a while to actually decide to go back to school and go to school, you know, to learn filmmaking. And in that time, I, I kind of became more and more interested in how you could do something else with the medium besides just the acting kind of side. And I started to see a lot of really amazing work that was done where you would, you know, really document something in history and you would really be like, wow, like I, I really feel I understand who that person was and what happened in a way that I would never understand from a Hollywood film. And so when I applied to film schools and got into this one that happened to focus on nonfiction film, I was like, oh, I think that was meant to be. Now, now, if if the History Channel approached you and and said, uh, James, here's here's ten million dollars, <laughs> you've got to make um, some total woo TV series like you know a, a, ancient alien astronauts or uh, or you know the Curse of Oak Island or something like that. What 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 would what would you make? Assuming you could just throw all ethics in the toilet what what uh what woo history documentary would you would you would you would you would you make unlimited uh, budget you could get morgan freeman to narrate <laughs> i i i really can't see myself throwing all ethics away i mean not like that i'm completely scrupulous that i i want my work to be pristine perfect things right. but i i just don't think i could do something that's along the lines of the ancient aliens kind of stuff <laughs> Yeah, I guess I mean yeah, I would have to sort of think myself, but I, I like I, I think I'd like to set up my own religion. Like I think that would be kind of <laughs> like if I if you know if I, if I wanted to throw all ethics and and suddenly you know someone was like Carl, I'll I'll follow you. You know, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe start my own. Do you, do you ever remember Mork and Mindy? There was the. Uh, oh yeah. Remember, remember the uh, the 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 guy who thought he was waiting for the spaceship to take him to Venus. Um, what was his name? Uh, oh, do, do you remember the guy's name? He, he no. 
Oh yeah, he was he was like the the the, the doomsday cult guy, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and he th- he thought finally in Mork he had one follower. He was so happy. <laughs> he, he's like, <laughs> and he had like a chalkboard like where he to count up the number of followers, and and then finally he's able to mark down one like because he's got Mork now, and and uh, and uh, Ex- Exeter, I think his name was Exeter or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> So sometimes I feel that way. I've got my chalkboard, and it's like, okay, I got my one. All right, now start my own religion. But uh, yeah, and and, and your um, any, any plans to like show your documentary at like, any film festivals or anything like that? You know, I mean that's that's another route to to go. But I I chose to just try to go directly to people through the internet, and in part because entering film festivals cost a lot of money and a lot of time, but also because I just didn't think that a 52 year old story, Hmm. um, I, I didn't see this as kind of a film festival kind of film. Okay. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been to Sundance, which is the biggest, Mm -hmm. you know, film festival in in America, right, right out of graduate school. I worked on a film called TV junkie and it, it was about a guy who was obsessed with being on camera and he was a national TV reporter and he would film himself at home talking to the camera and he just loved being on camera. Mm-hmm. He, he was also a crackhead. Oh, and so he destroyed his life with crack. He destroyed his marriage. He lost his career and he kept filming the whole thing. Hmm. And so we made this film based on, you know, all of his footage and just showed his demise. And that was a, a great experience. I was glad I worked on that film and I'm glad I went to Sundance with it, but that was a, you know, kind of a sexier kind of thing of, you know, people are filming themselves these days. And I think a lot of people could relate to it in many ways. And I just didn't think that this was the kind of project where, you know, somebody like Sundance would be interested in it. So I thought I'd try to go directly to the people who might be interested in the topic. Wow. It always seems like, um, maybe not so much in recent years, but like, um, you know, the Oscars that um, always like like the biggest controversies, if there's ever controversies around the Oscars, it's always about a, a documentary that's showing at, uh, at um, you know, at, at, at the Oscars. And it just sort of seems like it's like the, the one time in the year when anybody gives a crap about documentaries <laughs> Oscar night if there's a big controversy like you know and uh, you know uh, I, is, is that changing are people more interested in documentaries now with like like between you know YouTube and cable and and or 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 is are documentaries still kind of a niche kind of a well they they definitely are a niche and I think they always will be but I think they've definitely grown to a much bigger niche than they used to be. And I I don't have, you know, survey results to prove this, but I do see a lot more being made. And I do talk with people who are just like, oh, you make documentaries? I love documentaries. And they always want to tell me about the ones they've seen, you know? And I I don't think that was the case even 10 years ago. Hmm, That's good. Yeah, in in Toronto, there's like a called Hot Docs, which is sort of a fairly Mm -hmm. big documentary film. Uh, film festival. One year, it was it was, it was called movie uh, documentary called Un, 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 Unclaimed, about um, this Canadian documentary guy thought he found a 
you know, a left-behind POW in Vietnam. And, uh, and the Canadian media just sort of ate it up, like, you know. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's major, you know, like finding a, you know, a, an actual American POW still in Vietnam that has been, you know, left behind. And more I researched, it's like, you know, oh, no, like, like all of these POW groups, like POW <laughs> groups that actually honestly believe there are still POWs left behind. And, you know, like journalists and Green Berets who've checked this guy out and everybody was saying, oh, no, this guy is just, he, he, this is the third, you know, American serviceman identity he's he's claimed <laughs> to be and you know there's failed fingerprints and DNA tests and but for some reason this Canadian filmmaker thought I'm not going to talk to any of them <laughs> you know <laughs> I this one his one batshit allegedly batshit <laughs> missionary you know working in Vietnam this hoaxer has convinced him. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do a film and and totally believe him, and uh, and and you know I I just like I I researched the hell out of this, just po you know poking holes and and you know and, and it was a bit of a conspiracy, you know like, like the Pentagon does just wants to make this man disappear, you know and and <laughs> and, and uh, any soldier you ever talk to, it's like are you kidding? No way, we would never leave a guy behind. Like like you know there, there's not one man in the military that would go. You know, would look at this guy and 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 leave him behind. You know, we would and right. And it, 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 it was it was it was absolutely fascinating at, at how um how these people got duped, but to the point where they 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 brought him to Canada because they couldn't bring him to the states, and they and they got his his like his sister who's like eighty years old, and sort of said, found your brother, and and they brought her up to Canada to meet this Vietnamese hoaxer and and. You know, and telling her that this is your brother, you know, and, <laughs> and so finally, eventually, the family after the movie showed they they raised money to do their own DNA test, and and you know what they found? What? It wasn't him. It wasn't their <laughs> brother. You know, and I, you know, I mean, I was talking to the movie producers and and like the movie producer and on their Facebook and and the the missionaries involved and. They were completely convinced, you know, that that they had found the guy, and it was just like, and yeah, but wasn't him. <laughs> but 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 now they've fallen back on. Well, it's not our guy, but I, we still think he's an American. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh no. <laughs> All right, and uh, I guess my, my 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 final question is. Uh, I guess, you know, if you are someplace and someone said, you know, hey, James, I heard you on Conspiracy Skeptic. Can I buy you uh, what what kind of drink would would you want people to buy you to celebrate your your triumphant appearance on the uh, Conspiracy Skeptic podcast? Hello, listener. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll keep it simple and uh, a rum and Diet Coke. Rum and Diet Coke. OK, that's good. All right. And uh, you, do you, have, you got you got any good micro brews up in uh, in, in Minnesota? You know, they are popping up left and right, but unfortunately, I'm not a beer drinker. Oh, oh if you get into the, the microbrews, they're, they're good. <laughs> do, do you go to any kind of skeptical events or conferences or anything like that? Or uh, I haven't been to any actual organized events other than, you know, you know these kind of spontaneous things hmm. that happen in the plaza in, in Texas. Right, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I mean, they have organized events elsewhere, and then they just kind of show up at the plaza. Right, yeah. But I haven't been to the actual organized part. Wow. Well, I mean, you're, you are miles ahead of your average armchair skeptic. I mean, you're actually you're you're, you're getting right in the field, right? And, and that's that that is impressive. Well, thank you. Yeah. And thank you for having me on. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, James. I'll I'll, I'll let you go. And and uh, of course, you know, have another film feel free to come back on or you know if uh you know if you're nominated for an award let's come back on and let's <laughs> plug it or something like that but i'd lo love to talk to you again all right sounds good thank okay. you all right have a good night you too okay Bye. thanks bye-bye